Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. A lot of people think you need a car to enjoy SiriusXM, but you don't. You can listen outside the car. Right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for free. Just go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. You can listen on your phone, at home, and online. That's SiriusXM.com slash busted. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I talk about Monday Night Raw, what we loved about Monday Night Raw, and how we were emotionally invested in Monday Night Raw until a certain tweet from an exiting WWE superstar. We'll tell you what the tweet said and who it was from on today's Busted Open podcast. Also, talking about emotional investment, how about AEW World Heavyweight Champion John Moxley joins the show right now on the Busted Open Podcast. I have a throbbing headache. Why? Because I did not sleep last night because what took place last night kept me up. I could not fall asleep. It was the definition of tossing and turning as I was trying to get some sleep before today's show because I was so angry and frustrated by what took place during Monday Night Raw. Now, let me let me say this, Bully. Not what was on the TV for Monday Night Raw, but what I saw on my phone, on my Twitter feed, during Monday Night Raw. Ah, this is good. This is good. I'd like you to let it all out, Dave. This is good. Dave, what did you see on your Twitter feed that made you emotional? How did that Twitter feed make you feel inside well you know bully should i read the tweet that aggravated and angered me dave i think it would be extremely therapeutic for you to share with all of us the tweet that angered you so much because we don't want you to internalize all your anger and rage we'd like you to get it out and in order to get the rage out we have to know where the rage comes from so yes dave if you are comfortable with it please read the tweet my ulcer is acting up okay now this comes from wwe or possibly former wwe wrestler or should i say i'm sorry not wrestler sports entertainer Kari Sane and she tweeted out the following my time in the NXT and WWE locker rooms was incredible everyone was kind funny and talented so every day was full of happiness also I was saved by the supportive staff behind the scenes I will forever love and respect all these professionals I had the pleasure of working with 
Then she continues a little later on with, I was able to accomplish so much in the last three years, but it wasn't because of my ability or my strength. It was because of all of the constant warm support from the fans. I am so thankful I could meet you all. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Kari saying and has a, a smiley face with the anchor because, you know, she was the pirate. And then she has a montage of pictures of, you know, her with Triple H, her with Asuka, some pictures of her with Io Shirai, her jumping up with joy when uh, she had some of the championships that she was able to accomplish during her three-year stint with the WWE. Now, you you re- hear me reading this tweet, but you're like, oh, wow, what, what is Dave so upset? Kari Sane is stepping away. You know, she has, uh, you know, a long-distance relationship that she's trying to keep together. Why is Dave so angry? Well, what made me angry, Bully, is the time of this tweet. If you go back to Kari Sane's timeline, she sent out this tweet at 10.18 p.m. Eastern time. So... That was roughly three minutes after Asuka left the dressing room, almost in tears, screaming because of what Bailey did to her best friend. A beatdown from Bailey that actually cost her the Raw Women's Championship. And I saw that tweet and I just about vomited. Two people actually caught on that bully, and two people only that I saw. Maybe there was more, but bully, you actually texted me and our good friend Jonathan Hood who has filled in on this show and does a great job of ESPN in Chicago actually caught on this and I'm going to read Jonathan Hood's tweet because I actually thought that it was very apropos after what I had seen he said this he said thank God Kari Sane is okay She's tweeting right after the beatdown. Whew, I was worried. And then continued to say, remember when Dusty was beat down at the Crockett offices by the horseman and they broke his arm? And then Dusty tweeted about it afterwards with his good hand. Man, that was something. Are we this far away from pro wrestling that somebody who was just beat down, beat down that I would think bully the story is going to be moving forward, that the reason that Kari Sane is gone from the WWE was because of that vicious beat down by Bailey. Are we this far away from the foundation of pro wrestling that somebody like Kari Sane could send out a tweet like that three minutes after the fact? I think... This is going to be cut right down the middle when it comes to how people feel about it. I think the younger generation of wrestling fan won't care, and they'll tell you to lighten up. And I think people who've been around as long as myself and you will feel exactly the way you did. There's nothing wrong with sending out that tweet. Sending out that tweet three minutes after the segment ended was atrocious. Anything that the WWE and those women try to build up for that moment is now completely thrown out the window. You might as well take all equity that was built up and destroy it. Take a $100 bill, rip it in shreds, throw it out your window, and that's exactly what that tweet did to the work last night on TV. I think it was even worse because of seeing Asuka's reaction. Asuka was a mad woman after she came out of the 
uh, trainer's room, the medical facility room at the performance center. And she was irate, screaming like a mad woman in Japanese because her friend Carrie Sane was just beat down and hurt. And now all of a sudden, as you said, three minutes later, here's a tweet going, hey, everybody, I'm okay. Not only does it take away from the heat that Bailey got on her physically, because I get Bailey wasn't tough enough to really lay Carrie Sane out. And it takes away from the frustrations of Asuka. It does no good. Now, like I said, a lot of younger wrestling fans are going to be like, come on, man, get over it. We already know it's entertainment. We know she's not really hurt. We know she's uh, back home in Japan already or wherever she is. Oh, you're just being uh, that, uh, that grumpy old man again. Well, what happened? Dave, do you remember that one time Ric Flair went on national TV and said, uh, I want to thank Harley Race for the match last night. I really appreciated it. Um, thank you, brother. No. You know why you don't remember it? Because it never freaking happened. Wrestlers thanking each other on social media. And then what we saw from Carrie saying last night, in my opinion, has absolutely no business in there. Now, who knows? Carrie Sane might be done with wrestling and she might not care anymore you would think that she did give a damn about the, the, the you know those other women and the work that they have to you know put in front i mean think about how much angst and venom oscar could have had moving forward knowing that bailey took out her best friend there there's the there's the spark there that's the entire foundation for for oscar moving forward but as soon as oscar blew up she should Feel great because, you know, Ka- Carrie's fine. According to Carrie, she's totally fine. It's all yeah. good, man. Carrie Sane could have sent out that tweet this morning, tonight, Friday, next week. If she's truly gone, which I think she is, and she's obviously done with the WWE, then it doesn't really matter when that tweet is sent out. But to do it three minutes, three minutes after that vicious beatdown, to me, Bully, I think you're 100% right. It's a spit in the face to Asuka. It's a spit in the face to Bailey, And it's a spit in the face to Sasha Banks. And you know what? Quite honestly, it's a spit in the face to me that's investing my time every Monday night to sit my ass down on my couch watching three hours of Monday Night Raw. You, you want to know why to assume, let's assume, listen, we talked about having to watch Monday Night Raw. It's three hours. It can be a chore sometime. But let's assume that that match had you completely engrossed. It had you cle- completely invested and you suspended your disbelief. You were really into the match between Asuka and Sasha. You started to enjoy the beatdown in the back. Let's say that you were more into that match and that angle than you have been anything that the WWE has put out in months. And then that tweet happens and gone in the snap of a finger. Bully, I actually put out a tweet asking people what they thought of that match before I saw Kari Sane's tweet. And a lot of people hated the end of that match. They shit all over it. They thought it was a, a big pile of crap. I didn't, Bully. Bully, you and I have had discussions, and I've said about Charlotte being head and shoulders above everyone in that women's division. And one 
the one wrestler you kept bringing up every time we had that discussion was Sasha Banks. I have to tell you this, Bully. I have never been more emotionally invested in Sasha Banks than I was last night. I mean, she was a master in that ring. Not only with her moveset between the ropes, with her facial expressions, what the trash talk, the, the, the things that she was saying to the commentators, the things she was saying to Asuka. I actually thought that was one of the best performances I have ever seen from Sasha Banks. Then you see Bailey, and you've always said that Bailey needed more base. I've never really felt that Bailey did a great job with her heel turn. Gabby, you know, has, has come on our show and said that she loved the back and forth and the chatter of her outside the ring, and she was buying into Bailey. I never really did until last night. That beatdown that she gave Kari Sane was vicious. You know, we've seen a lot of beatdowns in the back, Bully. I, that was one of the beat down, best beatdowns I've ever seen. Like the way she was taking her head and ramming it against the, the metal grating of, of the fence. You know, the way she was pounding her into the concrete in the back. That was, I completely was bought in. And then you mentioned Asuka. And Asuka was tremendous when she came out of that dressing room. Because at first, it looked like she was about to cry. Like she looked like she was about to to burst into tears, and then you saw the anger, and she was screaming in Japanese because she was so irate about what just happened to her friend. To the point, Bully, she could give a shit less about that Raw Women's Championship. She didn't care. She worked her whole career to become Raw Women's Champion, and when she saw her friend getting beat down, she could care less about that championship title. She left it, even though she knew she had Sasha Banks where she wanted her, she left to go save her friend, and when she came out, she wasn't thinking about the loss. She wasn't thinking about the Raw Women's Championship. She was thinking about her best friend, and I'm like, I, I, gotta be, I melted into my chair because I thought, I said, wow, like what you just said, Outside of maybe Orton and Edge, this is the best thing I've seen from the WWE in over a year. And then three minutes later, like you said, it's money thrown out the window. It's taking a big, hefty shit on Bailey, on Sasha, and on Asuka, on the WWE, on this fucking business, and on the fans. Three minutes after I just saw something that was masterful. So this you know what, what? And, and you know what pisses me off even more, Bully, not to cut you off? I go on Twitter, I see you text me, I see, the, I see the tweet from Jonathan Hood, and then I see hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of hashtag thank you, Kari Sane. Thank you, Kari Sane? Thank you for what? Thank you for what? I'm not taking away anything that she has done the last three years. You know what? If she would have sent out the tweet today, Tomorrow, the next day, I would be all about thank you, Kari Sane. You really expect me to say thank you, Kari Sane, after what she did three minutes after that beatdown? Are you kidding me? It's, it's screaming out, screaming out, this is fake. What you're watching is fake. And that's right, I'm using the F word, fake. Not predetermined, not scripted, not an athletic entertainment, uh, you know, uh, show. No. This is fake. What you just watched was fake. She screamed it by sending out that tweet three minutes after that beatdown. Fake. Think about it. 
other than Edge and Orton, as you just said, can we agree that the WWE, Sasha, Bailey, and Asuka did a phenomenal job last night from start to finish getting you involved, engrossed, and emotionally involved with everything that went on? Yes. When was the last time, other than Edge and Orton, that you felt that way? You probably would have to go back for me. It's been a while. Let's just put it that way, right? Daniel Bryan's run to WrestleMania 30. And it was all thrown out the window because of a tweet that never had to go up. And if you look at the tweet, there's a lot of action on the tweet between retweets and likes and blah, blah, blah. Like I said, I'm agreeing with you 100%. That tweet could have went out today. Actually, that tweet didn't even have to go out until next week. Let If you want to truly help out Asuka and truly help out Bailey, don't say a freaking word. Let people think that you're banged up, you're hurt, and that you're home resting or in a medical facility healing. Don't let everybody know that you're okay. Because once they know that you're okay, they stop caring. You know what? After that tweet, Bailey's not as tough as I thought she was, and that beatdown didn't mean nearly as much, if anything, and Asuka's just a big crybaby who overreacted. How come she didn't know her friend was doing so well? That's how bad that tweet is. Yeah, it's awful, and what hurts me more, and, and, and I'm thinking to myself as I'm tossing and turning last night, maybe I'm just the old guy in the room. Maybe I don't get it, Bully, because... If it was 50-50, 70-30, whatever, then you know what? I could say, all right, maybe this, that. This was overwhelming warmth and love for Kari Sane after she sent out that tweet last night. There was nobody bitching and moaning about it. Everybody They're was not like, going to bitch you, and moan because Twitter is, is, you know, it's like the pop, the popularity vote. We're going to jump on the Twitter bandwagon. Well, since everybody is saying that we love Kari and thank you, Kari, oh, I want to get on this too because maybe I'll get some likes and retweets. So I'll text a uh, tweet, thank you, Kari, also. Good on Jonathan Hood for calling that crap out. To me, that's unacceptable. It really is. But... We did watch The Undertaker pass the salt to Brock Lesnar. Yeah. But he didn't do it three minutes after the, un- after the streak. You get my point. You get, I know. But you I know. get and, my point. And, 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 and we this had is Undertaker where- on. And, 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 and listen, I know it's all, it's dead. I know this is, the, you know, the, 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 the curtain's been, you know, peeled back. And we all know what goes on behind the scenes. I get it. But if you want me to be emotionally invested... You can't throw this in my face three minutes later, bully. You can't do it. It it really, it really, it doesn't hurt fans, yeah, but it hurts that talent so much more. Now, do we re, are we living in a time where can talent really be hurt by anything anymore because we pulled the curtain back so much? I don't know. All I know is this. As much as the curtain has been pulled back on a guy like you, you were invested last night. They had you. They, the hook was in your mouth. Yep. And then somebody came along and reminded you, hey, there's no bait on there because it's a fake hook. It, it's, 
like I said, Dave, some younger people that are listening today are going to say you're the cranky old man because they never experienced pro wrestling the way we experienced it in its purest form and done the right way. Now, because younger wrestling fans are hip to the work from day one. So a tweet like this probably doesn't mean anything to them. Yeah, you know, but, but, but Bully, and I was thinking this, and maybe this is a bad analogy, and you can slap me down if you think it, it is. And I know we're up against the break, but this is, you know, this is my livelihood, for crying out loud. This is what I do for a career, right? You know, my, my, I, everything that I have worked so hard for in radio, I have invested into this show. So this means a lot to me. But, you know, Patrick Mahomes, three minutes after winning the Super Bowl, isn't sending out a tweet like, Hey, fans, I know you're all excited that the Chiefs finally won the Super Bowl, but you do understand this is a kid's game. I mean, this is just a game that kids play. When it's time to go to the track. To the track. Yeah. Sirius XM NASCAR Radio's got you covered. Here we go. Tune in to Sirius XM NASCAR Radio or listen on the phone when you get out of the car with the Sirius XM app. We're back on the track. Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern with NASCAR Cup Series Racing. Everything's happening so fast. It's the Foxwoods Resort Casino 301. From New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Gotta go take it. On Sirius XM. On Sirius, Sirius XM. NASCAR Radio. Channel 90. Very, very, very well done. <laughs> You talk about, a lot of times, Bull, you talk about cracks in the foundation, crack in the walls. Man, right now in the WWE, it's, it's, the foundation is rotted. If this is the direction, like our last caller said, if there's no emotional investment and there's no believability, then what do you have? What do you have? You just said, I know it's not real, but you don't have to throw it in my face. Watch this. Take your favorite magician. I don't care who that is. Uh, David Copperfield, uh, David Blaine, or Penn and Teller. I don't care. Whoever your favorite magician is that you would pay good money to go see. And during the final magic act, the main event of this magician's act, whatever that is, they do it. They pop you. The audience is giving that magician a standing ovation, and right in the middle of the standing ovation, the magician goes, no, 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 wait, 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 stop, 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 stop. Here's how I did it. What a freaking buzz kill. Yep. That's what that tweet was last night. It was a buzz kill for fans like you who were immer immersed in the moment. Check this tweet out. This, this, is, this is just pure stupidity. Go ahead. From Nick Dulock. He says, everyone knew the show was taped on the 20th. She waited a week to tweet it. Well, well, I didn't know the show was taped. You didn't know the show was taped. We had to ask Gabby and Guns. Okay, we're not into every little detail and nuance of pro wrestling where we have dirt sheets coming out of our freaking ass that we know a show is taped. And just because the show is taped doesn't mean she has to tweet in real time. Let it breathe. You are doing a disservice to those other women. I've said my piece. I'm not going on anymore. People are either going to understand or they're not going to stand. Whether ignorance, stupidity, or they just weren't 
they just don't understand what pro wrestling is truly supposed to be. If Bruno San Martino was alive right now and him and Larry Zabisco saw each other, they would walk the other way. They wouldn't acknowledge each other. Because 40 years ago, 50 years ago, they had such a great rivalry and they keep it going until the end. The same reason why Mil Mascaris will never be photographed without his mask on. I mean, the magic, it, the believability. Come on, people. Come on. I, but again, if you have a different opinion, I want to, and, and I'm not talking about like that ignorant statement about, well, the show was taped last week and then, you know, it was last night. It's a week later. So she waited a week to send out the tweet. That's horse shit. That's horse shit. But I'm talking about if you're a newer professional wrestling fan, and the era that I grew up in is just something that's a, a long distant memory. And there's other things that have you loving pro wrestling. I want to hear about it. And if you think I'm wrong, tell me. Everybody should have an opinion. That's what's great about the bus. Actually, turn. you know what? Honestly, Dave, I don't even want to hear from people who agree with us today. That's too easy. I'd much rather people hear from people that disagree with us and why. I mean, I want to hear from people, but you know what? I do want to hear from people that agree with it because this is kind of like you just said. This is this is raw rehab today. I want to hear from fans that want to vent a little bit. They need to. I needed to. Maybe if I vented last night, I would be able to get some sleep instead of tossing and turning all night long. All right, let's go out to Alfredo in Virginia. Alfredo, what would you think of Kari Sane's tweet? I, I I don't have a problem with it, and I and I will tell you and, and I'll tell you why. Um. I didn't know about it until the show until you guys mentioned it. I, I I've called before and I've been a fan since 1970, since I was three years old and I sat there and would watch it with my dad. I went through the whole unmasking of, of, uh, of wrestling where it went from wrestling to sports entertainment. And I grew up believing everything until, uh, until I did it anymore. I watch it and I enjoy it. I'm an older person. I'm 53. Okay. I, uh, I don't follow certain things. Um, because I, I, I don't want to know. Now I understand that you gentlemen have to, because it's, it's part of your livelihood, but understand that a lot of people listening to your program, this is the first that they have heard about it. Um, and as far as the you just said, a, sir, you just said a lot, sir, just hold on. You said a lot yes, of people. Sir. I vehemently disagree. Maybe a small minority like yourself, but not a lot of people. Okay. Um, uh, and, and you know what? That's fine. Cause that, that would be based on the demographics and, and the younger people will probably um, know about it, but won't take it the way that, we would don't take it the way I heard, the way I did this morning, which was kind of a little bit, uh, probably a little less than you guys. Uh, again, um, uh, you guys hearing it in the moment, but having to because of, of, of what you guys do for a living. Unfortunately, um, you've been too desensitized to everything, and that's a bigger part yeah. of the problem. Wrestling fans have been de desensitized to so much that nothing matters. Yeah, and you also I too, and, Alfred, I, I, and Alfredo, thanks for the phone call because there's a lot of people that want to chime in. So I thank you for the phone call. But I like that Alfredo can kind of disconnect himself. Hey, you know what? 
I'm, I'm not going to go on social media, but it, just judging from this tweet, this tweet has over 37,000 likes. 37,000. That's a huge amount of people that have liked this tweet and, and countless thousands of people that have commented, thank you, Kari, good luck, and everything else. Nothing, but nothing about what happened on the show last night. Nothing. That's a problem. And to go back to what you just said, Bully, desensitized. People have, they're used to this now. And that's even a bigger problem. Bully, you wouldn't believe how many phone calls are coming in. We got to get to a lot of phone calls. As a, as a society, we have been desensitized to almost everything. Horror movies, um, things that go on in the world. As long as it's not happening to me, it doesn't affect me. So much stuff. And wrestling fans have been desensitized to, 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 to more than you can ever believe. I am not on this show to bitch and moan about Carrie Sane's tweet. I'm telling you that in the wrestling world we live in today, that the curtain has been pulled back so much that that tweet actually damages what WWE is trying to do for their fan base, and it damages the credibility and believability of Bailey and 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 Oscar. But if nothing matters anymore, and everybody just knows so much that well, we don't care. So the, 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 what's the what, what's the point of even talking about it? What would you like to do? Just come on the show and just put everybody over. And oh, thank you, Carrie, so much. If Carrie Sane never steps in a wrestling ring again, Carrie Sane won't be a blip on the radar of wrestling history. And the last thing that I'll know of this woman is that, in my opinion. She affected two other people. Now, will I, forget, will I forget about it next week? Most likely. But if Asuka tries to come out next week like she's a tormented mess because her girl, uh, her, uh, her, her, uh, her tag team partner got beat up, I'm not going to believe it. I have no reason to believe it. It's been a while. But the NHL is coming back. Andre, he's in for a shot. He scores! Here's a one-timer and a score! Sagan lost it to Shifley. Shifley with Kyle Connor. Two on one. Shifley scores! Follow all the action. Hear the most in-depth analysis. And follow your favorite team. All the way to the Stanley Cup Final. The NHL is back. On Sirius XM. NHL Network Radio. Sirius XM 91. What did Randy Orton mention in that promo about Drew McIntyre being called the chosen one by Vince McMahon and... Also about him getting fired from the WWE. Why is that such an impactful promo from Randy Orton? Because it's believable. Why is it believable? Because it's true, bully. Because Drew McIntyre was the chosen one. And Drew McIntyre did get his ass fired. Believability, realism, great promo from Randy Orton. Match with Asuka... And Sasha with Bailey and Kari outside the ring, to me, emotionally invested. Emotional from, uh, from Asuka. Emotion from Sasha Banks. Massive beatdown from Bailey. Um, amazing selling 
from Kari Sane to the point where I believed everything that was happening. I loved it. And then three minutes later, Kari Sane reminded me, Dave, what you just watched is not real. No believability, no realism. But thank you, Kari Sane. Make sure you use the hashtag so everybody sees it. And oh, by the way, bully, maybe just, oh boy, maybe, 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 oh boy, maybe, maybe if I retweet it and I use the hashtag, thank you, Kari Sane, maybe Kari Sane may like my tweet. Oh my God. And then I can post that on my Twitter profile that on July 27th, 2020, Kari Sane liked my tweet. Fuck you. Kari Sane would never like one of your tweets. Actually, Kari Sane follows me on, on Twitter. Not after today. No, because I would hope Kari Sane would hear this show and be like, you know what, boy, did I fuck up last night. You know why I'm going to tell you you're overreacting? Go ahead. Tell me why I'm overreacting. Tell me why. You I'm tell out. me. No, 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 no. You I'm tell me why Listen, I'm overreacting. I, stop it for a second because I could assassinate you, but I'm not going to. I understand where you're coming from. So don't yell and scream at me just because I said you're overreacting. Because you are overreacting, and I'm going to tell you the one reason why. Next week, this won't matter. It's all going to be gone. And I've been saying things don't matter for a long, long time. Things only matter when a wrestling company Wants it to matter. Next Monday, next Tuesday, we're not talking about Carrie Sane's tweet anymore. This is a tweet that obviously pissed you off. I understand why it pissed you off. I can understand why wrestling fans are pissed off about it. I completely understand. I think it was ill-timed. I think it was just a, a huge mistake on her part. I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt, but you're overreacting because you know it's going to be all said and done with next week. And that's probably what hurts me more than anything. What you hurts want me more pro than wrestling in 20. You want pro wrestling in 2020 to be what pro wrestling was in 1985 for you. You want this but, to be you want this to be Georgia Championship Wrestling. You want this to be the NWA. You want it to be all that. It's just not that anymore. You complaining about it, going buck wild, yelling, screaming, despite the fact that I get your point of view, is not going to change things. Because what you just said is right. Oh, maybe if I use the hashtag, I'll get a like from Carrie Sane. It's become a very social media driven world where we chase the hug on social media to see whose approval we can get. Everybody wants to jump on the bandwagon. Nobody wants to go in their own direction and call shit out for what it really is. Good job by Jonathan Hood last night for calling it out. As a professional, here, watch this. If Flip Gordon were to ever go on social media and say, I want to thank Bully Ray for hitting me in my, uh, on my exposed flesh with kendo sticks as hard as he could 10 times, it really helped get me over. I would most likely punch him in the face in the locker room. 
because it's not doing anybody any good. Bully, I would take what you just said and kind of flip it. Imagine if you took that kendo stick like you did to flip Gordon's back where he had welts. He was bleeding. He was in pain. And right after that, you went on social media and you said, you know what, boy, that Flip Gordon, good guy, man. He took a beating, man. He's a tough guy, tough, tough SOB, you know. If like, I were to say that now, different story. Because yeah. I'm giving somebody credit for something they, they were able to accomplish a year or two ago, whatever it was. But not right after. That's taking somebody out of the moment. That's why I gave the magician. Uh, let's assume that that making the elephant disappear is the main event. And the elephant disappears. And you're on your feet giving a standing ovation. Oh, my God. That was the greatest magic trick I've ever seen. And the magician goes, no, no, no. Stop. Wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. The elephant's just right here. You see, I used some of this smoke. I used some of these mirrors. And it really di disappeared. You're like. What the f why did you just tell me that? I was so caught up in the moment of loving you, Mr. Magician or Mrs. Magician, that that I wanted to appreciate you and love you and, and, and enjoy this. You took me out of the moment. That's what that tweet did. And nobody can tell me different. I just think it was a mistake. If it's happening in baseball, it's on MLB Network Radio. Passon just said that eight more Marlins have tested positive. Report from Jeff Passon of ESPN this morning that eight additional Marlins players and two coaches have tested positive for COVID-19. If you get a breakout, how do you manage it? This is one of those worst-case scenarios. Who is safe to be around? Who's not? Baseball at its first crossroads. For the latest news and talk, it's MLB Network Radio, Sirius 209 XM89. Joining us now, Bully, we haven't talked to him in quite some time here on Busted Open, but he's our AEW World Heavyweight Champion. You see him every Wednesday on AEW Dynamite at 8 p.m. on TNT. And let's bring him right now, John Moxley. John, how are you this morning? Oh, pretty, uh, pretty good. Just trying to get everything done I need to get done here before I uh, head to the airport and make my way to Florida. I always leave packing to the last minute. If I try to do it early, I won't get done. I'll just stare at the bag and the clothes and stuff. It's always, it only gets done in crunch time. Like in the fourth quarter, I'll get the bag packed, hit the three at the buzzer, but I'll never get it done early. I think that's one of the things that all wrestlers have in common. We all like procrastinate uh, packing our gear to the last minute. There's no way you can possibly pack early, even if you decide like, oh, yeah, this week I'm going to pack early. Uh-uh, ain't happening. And we all have the same reoccurring nightmare that our music is playing and we haven't even started Dude. to fix up our boots yet. Dude, I was just going to say that uh, <laughs> same thing, like, Every wrestler has that exact, it, like it happens to be all the time, like at least once a week and it'll take different forms, but it's the same feeling of like panic where you're like, you're trying to get something done, but it's just not getting done fast enough and you're panicking and you're late. And it's, it's, it's the same thing for every wrestler. It's crazy that that's such a common thing. Without a doubt. You know, John, when, you know, I know for myself before I started doing Busted Open and I was just working like a nine to five job, I despise getting up in the morning because you're talking about packing. I get that feeling in the pit of my stomach and I'd be like, the last thing I want to do is get out of bed. 
and go to work. Now when I do Busted Open, I love it, and I jump out of bed. Like for you now, being a part of AEW, do you have that same kind of feeling when it's time for you to go to work? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, right now is really a uh, really cool time. You know, uh, anything can happen, you know, at, at, a, at a Dynamite, and you know, I'm always pretty uh, pretty excited to go to to go to work wherever I'm going to go to work now. I mean, I'm not going to do anything that uh, that I don't want to do nowadays. So it's a, uh, yeah, it's a really fun, uh, fun time. Obviously things are a little different right now and you don't have that, uh, 10, 20,000 people, you know, uh, adrenaline of the, of the people and everything to look forward to, but you know, we still get to go out there and uh, tell some stories and, and have fun and do the thing that we love to do. So, you know, it's pretty cool. Mox, how much happier are you right now personally and professionally than you were a couple of years ago when your career was with the WWE? Uh, it's not even comparable. Like, I, I've, I mean, I've talked about it like ad nauseum. So, you know, I've told the same story a million times, but it really is like I was like asleep for like years because, you know, without getting into it, you know, I was just in a much deeper, like, mentally dead state than I realized in a deeper depression than I realized. It was just like, I figured like I was just going to be a lifer there and just get all my money and get out while the getting was good. And my body was still somewhat operable and then getting hurt kind of uh, gave me an opportunity to rethink things when I was sitting at home rehabbing. And I was like, uh, and now it's like, Dude, like I've been watching, so I just discovered this thing called IWTV, and it's awesome. My friend gave it to me. It's like this app you can put it on your phone or like your Apple TV. So I put it on my Apple TV, and it's like every independent wrestling company that there is, right? Uh, for going back years, it's like having hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of DVDs just like at your fingertips. This is how the kids do it nowadays. I used to have to like have eight hour VHS tapes and stuff and boxes full, but now it's all just at your fingertips. So it's such a blessing. It's awesome. So I'm like, what I'm going back and watching all this stuff over the last few weeks that I like missed because I like stopped watching wrestling, oh, wow. especially like outside of what I was doing for like kind of a couple of years. I just like stopped paying attention to anything that was going on. I wouldn't even watch like the rest of the show. Hardly like that I was on, like I would do my stuff, get in the car and get out. Cause it's just like, I'd grown to just like, Hey, it became this thing that I had to do now. But I was like, okay, I guess this is the end of the line. This is what wrestling became. And now it's like, I'm going back and watching all this stuff that I've missed. And there's so much stuff that I missed. I'm like Rip Van Winkle. I like woke up and I'm like, now, now everybody's using doors instead of tables. Like when do we start using doors? It's pretty cool. <laughs> Tables like, got expensive, brother. Like, oh, like seeing guys that I knew as like young kids when I was last on the Indies, and now they're like stars on the Indies, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. I remember that kid. Like, yeah, it's pretty cool. I've been watching so many death matches. I've seen a lot of light tubes break over the last couple weeks. I tell you, <laughs> what I enjoy about, it. What I don't about- care. I love, I love the satisfying pop of the light tube. I've been watching some weird Japanese stuff. I've been, I've been driving my wife a little nuts. <laughs> you watch a lot of big Japan? Yeah, well they got on this uh yeah, on uh on this thing they got a lot of freedoms. 
So I tell you, one of my favorite guys is see, I like to mix the purest of wrestling with the most garbage of wrestling, right? Like I want to, I want to hit like a like a slick arm bar on you, but like I want to do it like like while I'm on fire, you know. <laughs> and this dude, this dude Masashi Takeda, this is like Big Japan Freedoms guy. You see him around sometimes in the U.S. But he did a flying arm bar, like the way like Asuka would do it or Suzuki would do it. But he had a light tube in the middle, like he had like a light tube flying arm bar, and it like broke when he went over. And then he had the tube stabbing the guy's arm when he finished the hold. And I was like, that was, oh, oh man, I'm stealing that. <laughs> you know, so I'm just very excited about life right now. You know what, John, like hearing you talk and, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know you personally, but I, I know what it's like when you kind of lose your passion for something. And, you know, to, for you to be this far into the business and now working with AEW and going back and watching other wrestling and, 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 you know, on this app and watching matches that you've missed over the last few years because you were kind of out of it, like that, that actually gives me goosebumps to know that you're this passionate and excited about pro wrestling again. Like, what is it about AEW that kind of rekindled that passion again for you? Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's really, really, really simple. I mean, it's a lot of things, but I mean, the most base simple thing is they don't give me a script. Like it's that, that's probably if I had to boil it down to like one thing that drove me crazier than anything was the fact that I got handed a script and told what to say. And it was, I hate like from the first time that ever happened. First time we, when we were the shield, the first time they ever handed us a script like I thought when, even in developmental, we're down there with like dusty and he's like, he, I, that was one of the best times looking back. I had in the business in FCW, uh, just cutting promos, working all that. I heard the term scripted promo. I always thought it was like a turn of phrase. Like, you know, they got scripts and it's a, like, it's a fancier show. It's a real TV show. It's on USA. Like it's got scripts, but I just thought it was like a turn of phrase. I didn't realize this is how naive I was. There's no, they actually script your lines like a, like a TV show that blew my mind. First time they handed us a script, it was like, Roman says this, Seth says this, Dean says this, whatever. And I was like, I thought it was like, a, even then I was like, I thought it was like a suggestion. Like they were just kind of filling in words on the run sheet. And I'm like, okay. To the writer. I'm like, I got some cool ideas. Like we could say this or that, or we could, you know, we got this new gimmick we're doing. And he's like, Oh no, this is what you're going to say. I'm like, yeah, but I mean like, here's my idea. And he's like, no, no, no. And it was like made very clear to us. Like, no, this is what you're going to say. And I remember having this like feeling in a pit of my stomach, like, Oh my God, I've made a terrible mistake. Like I'll never speak again, you know? And it's not always like that. Sometimes you get to uh, have more of your own input. A lot of times you get a lot of input, you know, but just the fact that like, like if they're like, Oh, you got a promo on the show. And I'm like, oh, okay, where, where is it in the show? Like, is it before or after something happens? That's all I need to know. Like, just like talk about whatever. Okay. It takes 60 seconds. Literally. If it's a six second promo, I'll do it once. It takes 60 seconds. You know, unless I like the camera breaks or something or, you know what I mean? But it's just, it's so easy to just walk in and be yourself. And it's like completely like, as much as it's like anybody who's successful, you know, puts a lot of pressure on themselves every day to like be really good at what they do. 
And that's just like the level that you're comfortable at. So like all of us in AW that are going to be putting pressure on ourselves every day, but it's like a really pressure free kind of feeling because it's easy. Not that it's easy, but it's like, I just, all I have to do is go out and be the best pro wrestler I can be. And if you put a mic in front of me or click the red light of the camera on, I just got to talk. Doesn't matter what I say, I'll say whatever I want. And it's real. it's just like, I'm very comfortable like at all times. So it's like, it's nice. You know, I'll tell you what pressure is. Pressure is having a two page script written by a 74 year old madman that makes no sense to you. That's going to make you look stupid. And you're on worldwide TV live and you got to memorize every single line and somehow try to pull it off and not look like a total jackass. That's pressure. And a lot of times I did pull that off. A lot of times I didn't, but I'll never have to be in that situation again. Now I just get to be me. And it's a, it's a nice feeling, you know, John, you talked about the input um, and how things go in the WWE. And I'm sure in AEW, you have light years, more input. Let me take you back to that match that you had with Omega you know, where you did all of the crazy CZW-esque stuff. How hard of a sale was it to get a match like that through? Tony Khan accepting of it? How did Kenny feel about a match like that? Kind of take us back and walk us through that whole process. Um, well, surprisingly to most people, it wasn't my idea at all. I was actually, it was a lights out match. So I was like, this is our first ever match, even though it had been scheduled once before, but I'd uh, had surgery. So uh, I was like, why would our first ever match be like a street fight type thing? Like, I guess I did come in right away and throw him off a giant stack of poker chips. And so I guess he could be mad about that. But uh, I was a little annoyed at first, actually, because I was like, well, I don't want to get pigeonholed as like a hardcore guy. So I was like, or like second or third match, maybe we can build to that. But I was like a little like, why would we go right to that? Reasoning was because the finish of the main event, what would have been the main event was like a, like a kind of a screwy finish. So then we would go on last as the lights out match. So that made sense to me. So I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Uh, but I saw the drive of Kenny Omega. And how, like, when he has a concept or you present him with a challenge, whether that be a a 60-minute match or a mixed tag match or whatever, he wants to take that concept, like, to the absolute limit and be the absolute best at every single style of wrestling. So he wanted to go balls out. And I was like, really? We can do that? We can do that? Like, there was stuff that we had talked about that we had ideas to do that was way crazier than we even did. We scaled it back a little bit. Like, and I was like, as soon as I I realized like the night before we were talking about it a little bit and I was like, Oh man, we're going all in. Like, this is going to be like the most violent ass on American TV in some years. I was like, I even, (laughs) I even knew like the night before I was thinking like, Oh man, a lot of people are going to be pissed about this, but I went screw it. Like you're all in or you're all out. I was like, this doesn't offend me at all. I'm into it. Let's do it. Like I, and I love the, uh, and a lot of people will, as soon as you introduce a weapon into the scenario, a lot of people go, Oh, this is garbage. 
total garbage. They're just hitting each other with stuff. And there are a lot of bad matches like that where, you know, an Axel Rotten versus Ian Rotten walk around hitting each other with pie pans. You know, it, no nothing there. But uh, to me, a beautiful German suplex is cool. But a beautiful German suplex on a bed of broken glass or on a bundle of light tubes is even cooler. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm all about like up in the ante. And I like that uh, we, we had like the, uh, and there is like a certain psychology to like, there's like a, I wouldn't consider that a death match, but there's like a death match psychology of like, it's not necessarily about like the false finishes and stuff, but it's about like upping the ante of like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then at the end, but at the end, it's like almost like mercifully, thank God this is over. These guys are fucking tough. Like we had that kind of thing going where like, I was looking at the crowd and seeing like, like I haven't felt those reactions like in a long time where you're like about to do something. People are like, Oh no, God, don't do that. But they can't look away. Like it's not for everybody, but I was into it. So, I, I, <laughs> you know. he, he's talking bully. And it, it kind of harkens me back. I, I used yeah. to watch him in his feud with homicide at the ACE arena in union, New Jersey. And like, it's literally happening. Like, three feet in front of me and it's it's it actually is like that it's like oh my god and it's like all right make this stop like or when it's over you're like thank god it's over because because like we were talking about this whole show today bully about the realism and the believability you know john moxley has that special gift of making it believable and making it real and and john do you believe that like in the world of pro wrestling you need the realism and you need the believability a hundred percent. I mean, that's the, that's, what's gonna, that's what sucks people in is like the, the personalities and, and the stories and, the, you know, relating to the, the story or the, or the person on some level. And, and just, just like any other TV show or uh, any movie, you know, as far as like the, sto- <coughs> the stories and stuff and like in the match, you know, you just have to, if it's real to you, it can't be real to anybody else unless it's real to you. And like, yeah, there's a. If you're really trying to sell violence and intensity, like you got to be in the moment, and you got to have the in, the in, the intent to hurt your opponent for the duration of this match. You know, that's that's what I try to bring uh, to my matches at AEW is like try to make them real fights. Like, I'll I'll work myself up sometimes where like I, I truly like I almost believe that I hate my opponent. Like at times, like bigger matches, there have been times where I've been like, where the pressure's really on, where I've, I've got it in my mind where like, I, I hate this dude. And I'm believing that I hate this dude. And I walk to the ring like, I'm about to fuck him up. Like, and it, it helps. It, it helps portray that. You know, like, if you don't believe it, nobody else is going to believe it. Who have you worked yourself up into a real freaking frenzy for? What's that one guy that really you had to work yourself up for? I remember uh, I worked with a guy named Tomohoro Ishii in New Japan in G1, and it was my uh, my first main event in New Japan. So I was like, it was, it was a real pressure situation. It was like you gotta you gotta go hard, go hard, or go home here. Like it's, it's a lot. Of, you, you gotta have a, you gotta tear it up like right now. It's the main event of a G1 card. So it was like, and Ishii's awesome, and he's so intense. And uh, <clears throat> obviously, we don't speak the same language, so he's just like this angry 
F you guy, you know? So it's like, not like we had any deep conversations about anything. So as far as I know, he hates me. So I'm like, well, screw you. I'm not backing down from anybody. And I'm not going to take a step backward. I'm not going to like, I'm going to be in your face all night. Screw you. If that's what it's going to take, you know? So like, I don't walking out that night, like walking up the stairs and walking through Cork and Hall and just being like, like I felt like I was like 15 and I was going to like the parking lot to get in a fight. Like, like I was in that kind of mental place. It was, it was rewarding at the end of it. You know, he's a great dude in real life though. I will say, or same with like Suzuki. Cause I'm like, I'm not going to take a step back from you. I'm not going to let, I'm not going to be bullied. I don't like whatever dude. Like I ain't nobody's bitch. Like, I'm going to whoop your ass, you know? So you got to be in that mindset. Well, you know, when you take a look at uh, the talent that's in AEW right now, I think it's a good balance of uh, veterans, uh, veteran guys who are in the primes of their careers, yourself, Jericho, uh, Cody, Matt Hardy, mixed in with a lot of great young talent. When you look at the younger talent in AEW, does anybody particularly catch your eye where you're saying to yourself, man, I definitely want to work with that guy because not only could I raise his stock, but I can generate a couple of bucks with him. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's multiple, and uh, you know, uh, I don't want to leave anybody out, you know, but, uh, there's a bunch of, uh, good talents on the way up, you know, you got the, the MJFs and the jungle boys and all that. And think of like how they're so lucky to be in this kind of environment to like, when they're so young and talented to be able to like foster their growth and not be hindered or, uh, put in any kind of boxes or anything like that. The Joe Janellas, the Darby Darby I'm teaming with tomorrow night, uh, in a, in a tag match against cage and, uh, Ricky Starks and another, uh, uh, really awesome young talent. And, uh, I called it like, I worked with him on an indie show, like before AEW started and I gave him a snap mare and somehow he took a pile driver on the top of his head and the crowd was like, Oh, and I was like, what the hell dude? I'm just trying to snap mare you. But I was like, oh, he's going to be the next Jeff Hardy because he's got that, like, innate ability to, like, every single bump that he takes make it look like he's dead. So I was like, oh, yeah, so, something there for sure. Um, there are just so many. You think of all the different personalities and different styles and just, like, so many stories you can tell and so many different kind of matches you can have and different kinds of storylines and stuff it's, it's really exciting it's just like there's so much to work with but it's, it's really cool and, yeah, we, and we have so many awesome veterans too you know i mean i never worked with christopher daniels until uh i get to work with him on the cruise ship and i was like i've never worked with christopher daniels before we just never crossed paths like a vet, like i used to watch tapes of him when i was like in high school i was like he's like such a respected veteran. I was like, this is awesome. The opportunity to work with Christopher Daniels or Frankie Kazarian. I never worked with him before. We got to work on dynamite a few weeks back. And I was like, this is cool. I've never got to work with Frank Kazarian. Like what a treat. And it's like a veteran. So you can just go out to the ring and just like have a nice veterans encounter, you know? And like, it's so much fun. There's such a mix of diverse talent. Here with John Moxley, your AEW World Heavyweight Champion. As John just mentioned, you can see him tomorrow night, uh, AEW Dynamite. He's going to be teaming up with Darby Allen against Brian Cage and Ricky Starks, who's definitely a hot young talent. And my last question for me, John, is the fact that 
AEW Dynamite has been highly successful, and it's definitely tapped in to a young demographic. You know, it's a big talk. You know, we talk about it here on Busted Open. You know, AEW has been able to grab that 18 to 49-year-old wrestling fan dominating in that demographic. Why do you think that they've been able to do that? And does it make you feel good about the future of pro wrestling that you know that that 18 to 49-year-old is tuning into AEW Dynamite? Yeah, definitely uh, good for the future because, you know, you need that. uh, You need wrestling to be cool. It needs to be like acceptable. Like when you're 18, whatever, if you're in college or I mean, I watched this in my whole life. But I imagine, you know, if you're like a 19 year old college kid and like chicks are coming over and you got wrestling on and you don't want to look like a geek that watches wrestling. If it's like something stupid on the TV, you're going to like turn it off. You know, like you want it to be like everybody in the room is watching it and everybody's like, oh, that's cool. You know, you want everybody in the family to be watching it. Like, I think wrestling needs to be cool again. Like it needs to be like back in the day, you'd watch like they'd have like the nitro parties on TV and everybody's everybody's like high five and it's like cool. You know, we need that. So I think it's about like I think with AEW, we have so many like just uh great talents that are like growing and, and are unhindered and are, are, are at their peak. And you have so many guys that are right now hitting on all cylinders that are in the primes. And uh, you, you need fans to like fall in love with certain wrestlers and certain storylines and get hooked and everything. And then that that'll hook them into wrestling like forever, hopefully. And, uh, you know, I think we probably brought a lot of fans back like the quote unquote laps fan when the very first talks I ever had with AEW was like, that was a big part of it. Like we got to bring back the laps fan. So like, it's got to look different. It's got to feel different. It's just fresher, you know? And like you turn on raw SmackDown from yesterday or the day before. And it's like, it looks the same as it did five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. It's the same. And like, so AEW looks different. I think that's just, the quickest way for us to stand out, you know, and uh, is that it looks different. It feels different. It's different energy. We have legitimate, unpredictable things that can happen. Eddie Kingston comes out out of nowhere, blows everybody away. Uh, like anything can happen legitimately in uh, an AEW Dynamite. Like, whereas like maybe not so much anywhere else, you know? So it's just the freshness and unpredictability and, and the uh, kind of a, uh, rebel rogue spirit of you know we're uh we get ambitious and and think of like what can we do that's crazy you know we're not uh filtered by anything thanks for listening catch us monday through saturday on busted open from 9 a.m to noon eastern on sirius xm fight nation channel 156 the busted open podcast Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.